Pringle, and this is the Loyalty Podcast from New World Loyalty. We help you make the most of your loyalty strategies by listening to us talk about what we like to talk about most, which is loyalty and loyalty programs. In this podcast, we will explore if loyalty can have an influence beyond marketing and help solve wider problems with society. To help me with this, I'm joined by two experts who have direct experience of working on projects that have been designed to help solve problems far larger than saving for your next holiday. So please welcome David Canty. Hi, David. Hi, Ian. How's it going? Brilliant. And uh, hi, and Adam Posner. Hi, Adam. Hi, Ian. Hi, Dave. Hey, Adam. How's it going, man? Good, good. So to get us started tonight, could you just give a brief introduction to yourselves and a few examples of where loyalty has tried to solve wider issues? Adam, would you like to kick us off on this one? Yeah, thanks, Ian. Um, yeah, Adam Posner. I'm the founder of uh, The Point of Loyalty here in Melbourne, Australia, uh, independent uh, specialist loyalty consultant. And uh, solving world problems with loyalty programs is an intense uh, focus and passion of mine as an independent consultant uh, with, with the clients that I'm working with. And look, there's so many different examples that, that I'd like to share with you. We can go around uh, the room today, Ian. Um, but I just think strategically, before we get into specific examples, you know, I approach this uh, for, for building a, a program proposition. Instead of it just being points and perks and birthdays and offers, it's it's what problem, you know, can the program solve? And, and there's three strategic elements that, that we solve problems for. The first is, um, as we discussed today, problems in the world around us. So whether they're social, environmental, sustainability, the, the real problems and uh, that, that we, we as humans are experiencing on this planet. Can a program solve any of those? The second uh, strategic element of solving problems is solving problems in the life of a customer, just generally in their, in their consumer experience with brands. Um, what problems or friction points are they experiencing that a program can solve? And I'm looking forward to an example from Dave today. And the third problem, uh, strategic problem, is the problem experienced with the brand itself. So um, I know that's not necessarily solving in the world, but those three strategic elements of solving problems in the world around us, in the life of a customer, and in the the customer experiencing with the brand. So then on the examples of the world around us, can you give some examples of of what's Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, you know, the the most common one these days is sustainability and the environment and the circular economy. And so, you know, for example, IKEA have the buyback scheme to bring back furniture off the sidewalk. I don't know in your parts of the world when you have hard rubbish day and you put everything on the sidewalk and you often see furniture sitting there. And so they've got this circular economy buyback scheme. So that's one example within their program and within their brand that, you know, they're trying to help the world. Another example is um, an online uh, brand called Fauna and Flora, who's very, very focused on the environment. And again, they reward members with points for recycling. So they're trying to change their behavior, not points for purchase, but points for purpose and and, 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 bringing, and bringing them in. And a third example, and I'll stop now because I would love to hear from Dave and yourself, is about you know solving problems with our health. And programs like Vitality around the world is very famous for, for points for healthy behaviors. You know, again, another program that rewards members to be a, a healthy human. So there's three examples. I've got more, but we'll go around the table or uh, the virtual room and, and back to you guys. Perfect. So um, Dave, can you can you give us some examples of ones you've worked on or be examples where you've seen in the market? Yeah, I mean, um, I, I think Adam has basically thrown out there the, the fundamental strategies or, um, that hit every area regardless. And it always starts with the problem. So what are the problems that you're trying to solve for? Uh, now, there are programs that have been started specifically to to address social and environmental issues. 
Um, and then there are programs that have been started solely as um, consumer loyalty programs without an overarching purpose beyond just driving um, economic behavior back to the brand. But I think over the course of time, you're starting to see those programs trying to reach out and find ways to continuously be relevant um, and, and, and so forth. And I think there are brands that have started out really looking to, to solve social issues. And I think a great example of that is Tom's Shoes. Um, it's not a brand that you normally associate with loyalty. But to me, it actually is um, driving customer loyalty through being socially conscious and socially aware of a problem. And it kind of goes back to what Adam started with um, when he was talking about the strategies. And the strategies always start with identifying what the problem is. And we have got a society where Certain people can afford certain shoes and others will go shoeless. And I think what Tom's did was truly remarkable in for every pair of shoes that you buy, a pair of shoes gets donated. And there are other brands a little bit like that that continuously look at ways in which, you know, for everything that you donate, we'll match and so forth. And you see that with some of the the Red Cross and so forth. You're you're starting and UNICEF. You're starting to see certainly travel brands align themselves with those types of causes, and then they basically say, "Look, can we activate our membership base to contribute to those causes?" And then there's generally matching elements. So I've been involved in a couple of those types of, types of things. Certainly back in my JetBlue days, they were always very, very much in touch with the humanity element um, of, you know, so remaining true to their, to, to their founding principle and trying to inspire humanity. I think they looked for causes that really made sense and what were the problems that those causes were, were trying to address. And I remember they, they formed a partnership with uh, Kaboom, which was a, an organization that built playgrounds in kind of inner city areas where um, it was basically the, the whole premise was enabling children in rundown areas to have access to safe playgrounds. Um, and JetBlue uh, partnered with Kaboom to not only activate its membership base to kind of take notice, but actually to become the labor in building those um, playgrounds. And that that was really tapping into the emotional elements of loyalty, I think. Um, and it, of course, it addressed a problem. And it also allowed um, not only for you to activate your membership base, but for that attachment to your brand to become even stronger over time. Yeah, there's some exa examples of that in the UK. So on, on the example of the charity support, um, but but I think there's lots of examples of that, of course there are. And some of them are just, are, are quite frankly, just a nod to charity where they have a charity option, but people don't generally tend to redeem for them. But there are others where, where it's been a far better link to the brand. So things like Pets at Home in the UK, where they have a programme where... Um, all of the benefit of the thing go, of the of the loyalty program is goes to charities, um, goes to pet charities, and and they but they make a really big thing of that. 
and um, and I think that it's more from a brand perspective. So I think that's an example from here. And another another one over here is to your point about emotional engagement, Dave. Is Waitrose where they had a loyalty program, but they also gave out little plastic tokens. And on your way out of the store, you could choose from three local charities, whichever you wanted. And that was a very tactile way of supporting a charity and also a very visual way of seeing how well the charities are doing and it wasn't necessarily money that you were doing donating mm-hmm. directly but you every little plastic counter that you put into this into this perspex box could be seen by other people and 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 you could you could apply as a local charity to be one of these things and i quite like that and it went on for several years i don't think it's still going now but it you know it was it was a very visual and and t- an emotional thing because I, I wonder if that did that i wonder i'd love to know if that influenced a decision so ordinarily i might kind of be putting my disc into box a but because I see that that's full and the others are kind of dragging, does that influence me in changing or choosing differently? Yeah, I, I don't know, but I I think there's something very tactile about those types of programs. And you know, Tesco's and Sainsbury's have done it for years with the with the computers for schools and the and the uh, Fit Kids kind of a- activities where having having a ta- having a tactile v- real token to to allow people to collect is actually quite a I think it's quite a, a a very real and and genuine mechanic for loyalty. Yeah, that's that's also taken off here in Australia with a uh, a burger place called Grilled, and they do little bottle tops. So as you purchase, and they give you, and I don't know quite know how many you get based on how much you spend, but I just seen when I've spent twenty thirty dollars on a number of burgers for the family, they give me these bottle tops, and it's exactly the same thing. They've got these jars next to, you and you choose the local. So I think it's taken off in, in different ways, but they turn the visible into the digital because then they report back on their website uh, where they've act, when they count the tokens, what, it, what money it turns into. And then on their website, they say, and, and from our, our collections, you know, $70,000 has gone here and 100000 or whatever it is has gone there. So they do bring it to life digitally as well. So, you know, a wider world can see it rather than just you at, at point of sale. So it's it is a great way of of engaging people. Um, but Dave's point about you know uh, do we change our mind based on how full the jar is is an interesting uh, psychology, and and I wonder if if that's um, it has an influence. But uh, um, thanks, Adam. I think we've now covered off good causes, and we have a whole separate podcast on that. But are there any other wider society issues that we should consider? Another great example, uh, Ian and and Dave, is is here in Melbourne because of lockdown. A lot of the hospitality uh, bars and clubs uh, have really struggled to get their doors open and and get enough people in to you know to cover their expenses to pay their their people to pay their rent um, and it's been so intermittent and and they've really struggled that one of the iconic bars and clubs in in Melbourne called the cherry bar um, here in Melbourne decided to to find an innovative way to solve a problem uh, for them which was to pay paying rent and um, because everything was so intermittent, they couldn't get enough income to to cover their monthly rent. And so they built a um, a loyalty program, a subscription program um, called Cherry Massive, which is a membership program offering their customers things like key rings and entries to exclusive events and discounts on drinks and in exchange for a help to help cover the rent in terms of the subscription fee. And, you know, they put this out to the community and they had a huge response. 
uh, from the community, not only just to help them keep going because they've been going for 20 plus years, um, you know, and if you've ever enjoyed a drink or and some music, you've been to the Cherry Bar in Melbourne and they just had a huge community outpouring to support them all through paying a subscription uh, fee and getting some benefits in return to help them cover rent. So there's another example at a very local level of how a loyalty program's core purpose uh, was to help uh, solve a problem, which was to pay their rent and members still got something in return. Well, thanks, Adam. That's a great example of how loyalty can help solve problems here and now. And talking of rent, a subject that's right up your street at the moment, isn't it, Dave? Can you talk about how loyalty programs can help with that particular aspect of life? Sure. Um, and thanks for the opportunity to speak to it. So we started off with the problem of rewarding people their highest monthly expense. And today, when you start spending on rent, you get nothing for it. And we realized that not only is that an opportunity, but really it's something that can be much more than just building a program. We wanted to see, is there actually a bigger cause there? And what we started to notice was not only are people paying higher rents, but as real estate property um, continues to kind of grow, the gap the gap continues to uh, get further away from a person's ability to buy a home. So that is, so all of a sudden we started off by saying, let's see if there's an opportunity for us to reward based on rent payments. And then we started seeing that actually we can now start creating a pathway to home ownership. And the way we started, the, 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 the reason we started looking at it from that perspective was we were surprised that somebody's highest monthly expense was not contributing in any way to their credit score. Oh, wow. Okay, so it wasn't just a loyalty thing. It's actually a, a credit score thing. Which, is a, massive, yeah. uh, which yeah. is a massive societal challenge, especially yeah. for the younger generation. And if you've got a poor uh, credit score, first of all, it's extremely difficult to get on the property ladder. Now... The question uh, needs to be asked, why is your most, uh, your, your highest outgoing expense never reported to the credit agencies if you're paying it on time? If you're paying it late, it gets reported, but you don't get any credit oh, wow. for it being reported uh, for on time. So what we did was we decided that we would focus in on that in building people's credit scores rewarding them for on-time rent payments, and then building an ecosystem that allows them to not only earn points on rent, but be able to use those points towards rent, or they can save them for a down payment on a home further further along the line. And when you say we reward them for rent, is it is it you as a company or is it the is it the, the, the landowners themselves? So it's a great question. So we built the program uh, for, for both, for the consumer and for the landlords. So if you, if you think about what it takes to actually acquire a new renter into a property, mm-hmm. so whether it's going out and, and advertising or, or whatever, the cost of that now is removed because built is actually allowing you to market to a rental society including people that you already have. So you can retain your existing renters, or at least the ones that you want to. And you can acquire new by basically saying, hey, 
we're part of the Built Rewards Alliance, which uh, if you stay here, you're going to be able to earn points on rent. And the most important thing is there is no cost to it, to either the landlord or the, um, or the customer. And you don't um, have to have a co-brand credit card or anything like that, do you? Uh, that's a good question. You don't have to have a co-branded credit card to be a member of Built Rewards. However, when you do get the co-branded credit card, uh, the Built MasterCard, that accelerates your earnings. So if you come into a Built Rewards property and you decide that I want to earn points on rent and you just become a Built Rewards member, you'll earn a flat 250 points per month on rent. If you get the built MasterCard, then you start earning points based on the dollars you're spending on that uh, MasterCard. And that includes on your rent. So all of a sudden, it just makes sense that you've got this incredibly quick accelerator through the built MasterCard. And there's a number of other benefits that come with it because it's a MasterCard World Elite card. Um, There's no annual fee on the card. And um, to to the landlords, they're basically now looking at uh, a retention program and an acquisition program at the same time. Uh, and Adam, is this similar to um, ones you see in Australia about what we'd call a pension, but what you'd call a super? Yeah, um, I'm, I think, Dave, just, you know, I'm a big fan of what you guys are doing because you're finding a problem that's hidden in plain sight. You know, sometimes we just don't see something that's right in front of us. Um, as a problem. And, uh, I, you know, I just think rent is, you know, they say sunk cost. Um, so, you know, just trying to, what you guys are doing there, I think is very impressive. And, and thanks for sharing that. Um, yeah, here in Australia, there was another problem that a, a rewards program solved, or is solving it because it's live. Um, and that is helping people uh, save in this into their superannuation. And, and the brand is called Guild Trustees, and they built a program called Super Super. And essentially, their members are uh, women in retail, you know, who don't get enough, uh, at the, you know, into their superannuation. Over time, they find they were really lacking um, in, in for retirement and, you know, based on the projections. And so uh, what they built was a shopping program, a cashback program, where uh, with card linking, where uh, as a member of the superannuation um, uh, fund, uh, you would you would you would link into the program and you would do all your shopping through you know uh, all these merchants that were, were that were put together and the cashback instead of going into your pocket went straight into your superannuation. So just for shopping, you save for the future. You're shopping anyway. It's like mm-hmm. you're paying rent anyway. Why don't you solve a problem with that? And and that's been a very successful. Um, I guess, uh, example of solving a problem. It's a beautiful thing because I, I looked at a similar thing in the UK. And if you if you do earn cash that way, then actually the government give you 40% tax back on whatever oh. you earn. So so it, because of the money you put in your pension, if you're a 40% taxpayer, they would actually make up. So basically you would you would increase the amount you're earning from partners by 40%. Yeah, I, th- I think the, the, the cool thing for us is when we went out and we we launched this program and the fact that Adam called it you know it's hiding in plain sight it's it's it really is people are actually uh, asking well what's the catch and the yeah. beautiful thing is there isn't a catch yeah it's basically no it's we're just literally want to give you points on rent and the way we're going to do that is we're going to work with the landlords we're going to create this uh, built rewards alliance 
it makes major sense to them because it allows them to acquire and retain high value renters. And then we built a MasterCard on top of it. And that allows us to really kind of allow you to accelerate on your highest monthly expense. And the way I look upon this, in is this is a program in my mind that is a true lifelong program because it's relevant from your very, very first rent payment all the way to home ownership and even beyond. Because if I continuously give you benefits and um, the utility of a program by allowing you to transfer on a one-to-one basis to an airline or to a hotel or even to lifestyle fitness uh, programs and so forth, then I'm continuously being relevant in your everyday life. Um, and the MasterCard as well, because it, it, you know, it continues to reward based on everyday spend as well. If you're going out dining, if you're traveling or whatever, you're continuously building this fund that can ultimately lead to home ownership. But I, I mean, how real is it, though, Dave? I mean, we all know about you promise. You promise has existed for 20 years in the US. And that was a that was a program which allowed you to save up for your kids college funds. And it had all the things you talk about, Adam, where it had, you know, um, offers linked to it, where if you if you shopped at the, the yeah. partners, you would get cash back and all that. And it sounded very similar to the things we've talked about. But I saw an article in 2008 saying that the average member had earned forty seven dollars towards their future college expenses, which I mean, in the UK, that wouldn't go very far. <laughs> <laughs> but um so so dave is it can, can how quickly can people add up is this do you think is it going to add to your pension adam or is it really going to add to you how much you're saving for your house i mean what sort of things what sort of amounts can people collect i first of all i wouldn't compare it at all to you promise mm. um essentially as you know if you think about it from this perspective ian if you're earning one point per dollar spent um, on your rent and that point can be used um, towards a down payment at let's say at let, let's say 100 basis points or whatever or even a, you know on a down payment at 150 basis points that's a significant payback the fact that you can transfer it into let's say American Airlines on a one-to-one basis to Emirates on a one-to-one basis to Aeroplan on a one-to-one basis to you know, to to KLM Air France, which is Sky Team, that you've got the three alliances right there. That's significant return. So yeah, I I, I wouldn't I wouldn't compare it to anything like a, a You Promise program. This is a program that really allows you to take dead money that was gone, you were paying it anyway, and all of a sudden get some value for it for it. Because you're going to have to pay your rent regardless. So you can choose not to be part of the program and earn nothing. Or you can be part of the program, get the card and earn even more. Yeah, and I think because the because you have a very clear central promise to it, I think it makes sense. I think um, the items where you have charity benefit as a fringe benefit i just don't i think they they always struggle you know and you know we've got plenty examples of of charity type relationships within loyalty programs that haven't perhaps worked as strongly as they could do but i think because yeah, yours is I the just, central promise of it yeah and no, i think i absolutely agree with you i was just saying because um you know what dave's talking about it's dead money anyway so you bring it alive 
and making a thrive towards home ownership. So yeah, you know, it might take a while, but fundamentally it is a little bit different to the other examples where, you know, you're shopping and you're getting the cash back and it's going to your superannuation. And I take your point, you know, how long does it take? Uh, the answer to that is it, it doesn't matter how much money they get. It's, it's still money going into the super that over time, you know, uh, um, compounds itself. So it might not be as, uh, as pure as, as the built pro uh, proposition, but it still is solving a problem. Um, but just to your point, Ian, around the central premise of uh, helping um, causes and communities as the central premise or promise of a program. Again, here in, in, in Australia, there's a supermarket, independent supermarket group called Richie's, and their, prop, their byline is Richie's, where the community benefits. I mean, I've been in Australia for 33 years, and I can hear the song in my head, because 100% of the percentage that they contribute for you shopping at the supermarket, or it's, it's fundamentally all of the, the, the percentage back goes to community. So that's the central promise, um, and they've raised over fifty million, over fifty wow. million dollars, and it's on their website because it's going for twenty plus years. And the hospitals get it, and they put it. It's very visible, and they can see the leaderboard. And so it is absolutely the central premise of their program. Um, and I, I hear you when you say, "Is it just a bolt-on or an add-on at the end, or is it a central uh, promise?" And I think that's where uh, programs can sustain themselves longer. Yeah, I think it, I think there is definitely an art to this, and it's not just an art and a science to it. Because I think, you know, you have to think about think about it carefully rather than just the bolt yeah. on. I mean, I remember in my days early at Shell, where where we used to have to literally give a check to the to the three charities we had because it was embarrassing to give them the actual amount. But that was because it was a digital program. It was the alternative was a cash reward for yourself, and there was no visible element to it that was that was tangible. Um, whereas I think with with yours, Dave, with Built, it's a very much a a very uh, a, a cause that's that that that, that would drive customers to make a decision. You know, it's something that's very close to their heart, and something that a, a couple could do together as well. You know, they can be building to something together, which all, all of those things have a really tangible aspect to it, doesn't it? Totally, and I think, like I said, um, giving people the opportunity to build a pathway to home ownership because I do think the the building your credit score element is a huge benefit as well of built because built is going to be reporting on time rent payments to the credit bureaus and allowing you to actually build your credit score over time now that can save you thousands and thousands of dollars in the cost of originating a mortgage when it comes to it so not only are you actually earning a currency that allows you to contribute on a monthly basis back to, to some reduction in your rent payment itself or save it for a longer term and use it towards a down payment. But on top of that, having the benefit of an improved rent score also saves you thousands of dollars. Yeah, I can see that. So, you know, it's 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 a win-win. And yeah. it, it really... And also your credit score, I guess. Yeah, so your rent would go down, your, your credit score would go up, so you, your mortgage payments could go down because of that as well. Is that right? Totally, yeah. So the, the cost of originating a mortgage in itself, first of all, is lower because you've got a higher rent score, okay? And then, based on the fact that you've got a, a higher rent score, a credit score, um, the, the, the repayment cost, you're going to get a better rate on that mortgage as well.
So if we were if we were giving advice to other program managers, because yours is a very specific example there, Dave, but if you're giving advice to other program managers thinking about going into something about say about helping with wider issues, what would your advice be? Well, a couple of bits of advice. Um, Adam, would you like to go first on that one? Yeah, I mean, you know, get, uh, I go back to the remember my three pillars. But if we're focusing on solving the, uh, a problem in the world around us, I first I first ask them what are they actually? What's the brand yeah. itself doing? From a cause and and CSR or whatever you know um, their philosophy is to the wider world. What is, do they have an outwardly facing proposition to market about which you know charity they support? You know, just as a brand, nothing to do with the loyalty program. So there's a lot of uh, brands that I work well. One brand I'm working specifically does a lot for breast cancer, um, but they do it as a brand um, and they do charity days and you know that's their cause that they support. So I start off with asking, what can the program leverage or accentuate that you're already doing? So can the program add more to what you're already doing in solving world problems if you've got that as part of your philosophy? And there are a lot of brands that are you know, heavily, especially in the last 18 months or so, that have really lifted their, their voice uh, and hopefully it's not superficial, it's really genuine in helping wider social, mental health. I mean, there's so many scenarios in the last 18 months that brands are now trying to help out um, in their day to day. So my, my one and only first tip is always what can the program leverage or accentuate that you are already doing? And that would give a that would give it what what a word you always use, Dave. I heard you use it many times. Authentic. It needs to be authentic yes. to resonate yeah. with the brand. And it, yeah, and and it has to have a purpose. You know, it has to have a purpose and a mission. And everybody's got to believe in it. And if you don't believe in it from the beginning, then it's not the right program to to launch yeah. with. You've got to make sure that you can anchor back to the reasons why you wanted to launch it in the first place. It can't be just a, uh, an economic um, decision. It has to have an overall purpose for it to connect. Perfect. Well, on that note, uh, that's just about all we've got time for tonight. So I'd like to say thank you to my guests tonight. So thank you very much, David Canty. Sayonara. <laughs> thank you, Adam Posner. Cheers. Thanks, Ian, Dave. Uh, and thank you for being Ian Pringle. And uh, if you like this podcast, please like, share, or comment using the hashtag The Loyalty Podcast. And thank you for listening and goodbye.